This is a hypothetically great podcast. This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is Friday, October 22nd, 2021. Welcome back to Tech News for MBAs Season 2, or as we should call it, the fall semester. This podcast launched in January 2021, which seems like a lifetime ago. We were still imagining that maybe the pandemic was going to end. Vaccines were just starting to be distributed. Trump was still in office and was being impeached, if you recall. Some things have stayed the same. We were getting curious about crypto. We were getting skeptical about Facebook. And so that was the spring semester. We then had the summer off. And here we are in the fall. For those that are joining for the first time, just a quick overview of what this podcast is all about. I am a professor at Columbia Business School where I teach courses around product management and user experience design, and I try to kick off most classes with a segment that I call Tech News, where we just go over the headlines of the week in the tech industry. And I've been doing that for years and then decided to turn it into this podcast, Tech News for MBAs. Of course, if you're not an MBA student or don't have an MBA, don't worry. You are still welcome to listen to this podcast, but it's really about just how business intersects with tech. The format for this season is going to be a little different. What we're going to do is we're going to think about a specific theme or trend that's happening in tech And I'm going to talk about that particular theme as told through a specific headline from that week. And so what I'm hoping is that with each week and each episode, there will be one main story that sort of draws out a theme that we want to talk about that's worth really getting into the weeds on. For today's episode this week, we'll actually do an old-fashioned sweep of some of the biggest headlines just to sort of warm us up for the semester. But I actually think this week was representative of some of those larger themes that we're likely to dig deeper on later in the year. Separately, since we last met in the spring, I've been quite busy. The summer was super intense and exciting, and I actually sold two of my businesses Bounce House, and Bounce House has now been acquired and actually rebranded to clickeasy.com, so you can check that out if you're interested. And my first company, Maz, M-A-Z, was also acquired by a video infrastructure platform called Zype this summer, 11 years after we founded it. So now I am not the CEO of either of those companies. I don't work at either of those companies anymore. I am taking some time off trying to figure out, you know, what life means post-CEO, post-startup, at least for now, uh, post-office. I know a lot of people obviously have been working from home the whole pandemic, but I actually had the benefit of working from my office, which was mostly empty, uh, but now I'm at home. I'm trying out WeWork, seeing how that goes. WeWork actually went public this week. Bonus tech headline. And I'm working on some new projects. I have a new website called hypotheticallygreat.com. You heard my daughter Layla give the sort of audio intro there at the beginning of this episode. Hypothetically Great is going to be sort of my new umbrella brand for everything that I do content and media related. 
And so hypotheticallygreat.com, now I've ported all of my old blog posts over from my Medium account, which was called Wizardist. Those will now live on this site, and I'll be publishing new content there more regularly. I'm thinking about some new podcast ideas. I'm still working on my book about augmented reality and its implications on the future of society, something I feel very excited about. And of course, I have ideas swimming around about, you know, if I was going to do another startup, what would it be? So um, I'm very much invested in investigating these same themes that we're going to be talking about on the show. It's not just for the benefit of you, the listener, but it's equally beneficial to me to really think deeply about these different macro trends that are happening right now. And now that I've built a couple of companies and seen how long it takes for things to really pan out the way that you once imagined, when we started Maz, our bet was that apps and the app store were going to be important. And it took a decade for that really to flesh out fully and for our vision to be realized. And so I'm thinking a lot about what are the things that are going to hit in five years, in 10 years, and the sort of trends that we see in the market today, we want to extrapolate those out into the future. Where does each of those trend lines go and how do they intersect over time? And so things might seem disparate today, but they're likely to intersect and intertwine in all sorts of interesting ways in the future and trying to anticipate that and how they're going to impact each other is really where the magical future ultimately will exist. And we're trying to sort of look into the crystal ball and imagine what that might be. The only thing I know for sure is that the future is going to be weird. So New podcast episodes every Friday. I'll be writing new posts at hypotheticallygreat.com. In between those, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Canetti and on LinkedIn. Now, let's get into this week's headlines. Bitcoin hit an all-time high this week, reaching above 66,000 US dollars per Bitcoin. The peak was actually almost $67,000, and for some perspective, that's about five times growth year over year, and almost 90, that's nine zero times growth in the last five years. What accounts for this rally? Well, of course, nobody really knows, but a couple of things did happen in the world of Bitcoin this week. There are two ETFs that launched that are trading on Bitcoin futures. So these are ETFs, again, exchange traded funds that you can basically buy like a stock through any sort of stock brokerage, Robinhood. And these are the first ETFs of their kind, which sort of give away for traditional finance to invest into Bitcoin without actually buying the cryptocurrency itself. And also this week, Square CEO Jack Dorsey announced that they are considering building a Bitcoin mining system, which would allow not only Square, the company itself, but also its users to be able to mine Bitcoin. When thinking about Bitcoin mining, the easiest thing just to have in your head is mining for gold. And Bitcoin in general, as a sort of uh, proxy for gold, digital gold, uh, is a pretty good framework to work with. And we'll get into the nuts and bolts maybe later in the season. 
But imagine if everybody had access to mine Bitcoin instead of just today, the people with all of this heavy duty mining equipment. What if you could do it on your own computer or even on your phone and earn Bitcoin essentially for free as if you just found gold, you know, out in the dirt. But then you could sell it on the open exchange at, you know, $67,000 per Bitcoin and going up. So the themes to explore here, of course, are around cryptocurrencies, crypto technology and blockchain technology, and what now is largely being referred to as Web3. When we were recording back in April of this year, Web3 was still not such a mainstream term, but now I think Web3 really is the correct umbrella term for all of these sorts of things. There are all sorts of applications and platforms being built that are leveraging the same technology. And so the whole sort of genre of decentralized computing is called Web3. Definitely a huge theme we're going to continue to explore. Facebook is planning to get a new name. Sources say that Facebook is rebranding itself. And if a brand has ever needed a rebrand, it would be Facebook. But I don't think they actually mean the Facebook app or Facebook.com, but instead the parent company called Facebook that owns Facebook proper, Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus, Facebook Messenger, etc. This is very reminiscent of when Google renamed itself to Alphabet, which still almost nobody knows and most people just sort of ignore. But Alphabet is actually the parent company there. Google is a subsidiary alongside other subsidiaries within the sort of alphabet portfolio. And here I think it's the same sort of thing, particularly as Mark Zuckerberg and the leadership at Facebook become more and more public about their aspirations to be a metaverse company. Metaverse is also a new term that has sort of emerged since we last spoke in the spring which is sort of capturing virtual reality, augmented reality, and a million other things. It's actually one of these old science fiction terms that now is sort of coming in vogue in the real world and uh, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But for our purposes, we can think of metaverse as being virtual reality and augmented reality, sort of the next evolution of internet computing beyond the smartphone. And Mark Zuckerberg really imagines Facebook as being a leader there. Actually, the last episode of last season was called Apple and Facebook Battle for the Future. And I recommend going back and listening to that episode. But I really do see Facebook and Apple as the main competitors into this new space. And they're coming from really different angles, really different approaches. I imagine if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you really see Facebook as just the thing that got you going not where you are going into the future. And a rebrand would sort of signal that there's something new brewing here. And you can, you know, look on social media for all sorts of funny guesses at what the new Facebook name might be. This is also uh, coming right on the tail of what's been a pretty brutal year for Facebook, just publicity-wise, and rightfully so. Recently, the Wall Street Journal had a big report around what they call the Facebook files, all of these internal reports and documents showing that Facebook uh, does internal research showing how harmful some of their products are to its users and largely did not take action on those. Again, I recommend reading some of the actual first-party source documents before jumping to conclusions there. 
Also, the quote-unquote whistleblower, Francis Haugen. Uh, Haugen? Haugen? I'm not sure. But a product manager, former product manager at Facebook, um, spoke before Congress about some of these same issues. And then Facebook had this major outage where uh, they were just off the internet. All of their products were off the internet for almost six hours a couple of weeks ago. So they've been having a rough go of it, and uh, rebrand might serve multiple purposes here for them. Again, the themes uh, to explore here throughout the season are just the reckoning around Facebook, and also this concept of augmented reality and the metaverse, which I am incredibly excited about and have much to say. And there's so much happening in the world of AR right now. Uh, A lot of the things that I've been talking about in the classroom for many, many years are starting to become real. PayPal may acquire Pinterest for $45 billion. Pinterest is a publicly traded company. Uh, Today looks like their market cap is just north of $40 billion. So this is, you know, sounds like the deal is going to be somewhere around the valuation that we would expect. Um, If this happens, it would be the largest social media acquisition of all time and the largest consumer software acquisition in at least a decade. This is a lot of money to pay for a service. And Pinterest has sort of uh, skimmed under the radar for a long time. We just don't hear about it the way that we hear about Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and some of these others. But the company has performed really well. Just taking a peek at its Q1 earnings from this year, revenue grew year over year 78% to $485 million in quarterly revenue. So that sets them up again for uh, you know about $2 billion in annual revenue rolling forward. Their monthly active users grew 30% year over year to 478 million. So just short of half a billion people using Pinterest every month and growing 30% year over year. PayPal is an interesting buyer for Pinterest. And I think that uh, Pinterest has proved itself to be maybe the most closely aligned social network to e-commerce since uh, a lot of window shopping sort of happens on Pinterest. And then you can buy things right from there. So you can sort of imagine how that would fit nicely into the PayPal universe. PayPal also owns Honey, the coupon and discount service. They own Venmo. So I could sort of see it. The theme to explore here is that while there's all this excitement about Web3 and crypto, uh, Web2, as we call it, is, you know, doing just fine. There is a lot still happening in the world of the Internet as it exists today. And these companies that were built over the last 10, 15 years are still going strong. And so Web 2.0 is going to have a very long tail, even as Web 3 sort of starts to pick up. Former President Donald Trump has announced a new company called the Trump Media and Technology Group, which will be a new media company and social network called Truth. You know, as I was planning for this episode just a day or two ago, I was actually thinking to myself, isn't it nice that just none of the news this fall is going to be about Trump But we are seeing echoes of last season. We talked about Parler, the right-wing social media app that was taken down at the time. Now, Truth is claiming to be the uncancelable 
social network, although I'm not really understanding how since it's going to be available on the Apple App Store, Google Play. Presumably, it will be running on traditional cloud infrastructure service providers. And of course, the aspirations of Trump media are still unknown. Will this be a competitor to Fox News and Newsmax and some of the other more right-leaning, to put it mildly, uh, news outlets out there, media companies? We really don't know. What we do know is that the company is going public via a SPAC. SPAC is an acronym for Special Purpose Acquisition Company, also sometimes called a blank check company. And this one is called Digital World Acquisition Corp. And Digital World Acquisition Corp is a blank check company, a SPAC, that does nothing. It's uh, an empty shell of a company that recently went public and people have started buying its stock. And now the Trump Media and Technology Group company, which also was recently formed and from what I can tell does nothing, has no revenue, no business, no employees, etc. Varying reports. One was that the mailing address is Mar-a-Lago. Another was a WeWork in Miami. But the idea here is that the two companies are merging and when a private company merges with a public company, it becomes public. According to the New York Times, this means that the new Trump company will be inheriting over $300 million in cash that has already been fundraised via the SPAC company. And those investors were investing before they even knew it would be this. The whole idea is just you're investing in an empty company, hoping it's going to turn into something valuable. And uh, just in the last day, the share price has gone from just under $10 to $45.50 with a market cap at end of day today just under $1.5 billion for this company. What it will do, how that money will be used, who will be involved, these are all questions. And then they do fall largely within the world of tech, particularly with this new social network app called Truth. Already, I'm reading some pretty entertaining things online about it, though. Apparently, the name, like the handle at Donald Trump wasn't taken yet, so someone just took it and has started sort of trolling on that account. So the themes here to pay attention to, of course, are online censorship and free speech, this idea of a SPAC and how it's being used in the world of tech. And I think there's something here around centralization versus decentralization and the backlash against Facebook. But this sort of thing just becomes another highly centralized platform. You care less about your privacy when your own opinions and beliefs and identity happen to align well with the brand that you are seeding that private information to. And so it starts to matter a lot. Who owns this? Who is in charge of this? Do I trust them? Do I like them? Do I believe that they are not going to persecute me for my beliefs because we are on the same page? And again, something totally decentralized uh, is an interesting solution to that. But another are just lots of centralized platforms, but each with a distinctly different flavor that you can sort of attach yourself to depending on how you identify. And lastly, just because it's too fun not to mention, William Shatner, a.k.a. Captain Kirk from Star Trek, finally went to space in real life. William Shatner, 
At 90 years old, is the oldest person to travel into space, and he went aboard a spacecraft from Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos's space travel company. Jeff Bezos left Amazon, stepped down as CEO earlier this year. And while Blue Origin has been around for a few years, perhaps this is one of the projects that Jeff Bezos is going to be investing more time and energy and money into in his post-Amazon life. Science fiction is almost proving to be uh, an almanac or like a, a guide of exactly what we're supposed to be building and where things are really going. I'm fascinated with what is the science fiction that will be created today of a world 20, 30, 50 years in the future that sort of will provide the roadmap for the next era of tech innovation. And the other thing just to mention about Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin is that the billionaires that were created from Web 2.0 and Web 1.0 are now entering into new areas. And so... The internet minted these billionaires, but now those companies are mature and relatively boring to a mind like Jeff Bezos. And so what are those people going to do with their time and what are they going to do with their money? Another clear example to point to would be someone like Bill Gates and what he's doing in his second act. We recently passed the 10-year anniversary of the death of Steve Jobs, and I can't help but wonder what his second act might have looked like if, uh, if his life had not been cut so short. Okay, a lot happening in the world of tech this week and every week. That's why we just never know what is coming around the bend. But I promise you by next week, something will have happened that is noteworthy and worth discussing. And we will talk about it right here. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Tech News for MBAs. This is a really good podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>